This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by CellPoint Mobile, whose voyage booking solution enables airlines to increase direct channel revenues and conversions. Visit www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw to learn more. That's www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw. We spent a lot of time in recent shows talking about how resilient the U.S. airline market has been and how its current golden age keeps stretching out. Well, we're not going to discuss that today, much to everybody's relief, I'm sure, but we are going to use the U.S. picture as context for two other discussions I want to have. Hmm. One is about the Canadian carriers who continue to underperform their neighbors to the south, and the other is the European airlines who are starting to post the kind of results U.S. carriers have gotten used to, so much so that Airline Weekly had a cover story last week looking at how European carriers are closing the profitability gap. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and joining me is the noisy and meritorious <laughs> Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner of Airline Weekly. Those are the two big big themes we'll be discussing, but also, uh, will Ryanair hold on to its profitability crown? Aer Lingus continues to look like the deal of the century, and can Lufthansa compete with IAG? All that and more is coming up in the Airline Weekly Lounge right now. Thanks for joining us. Let's start the show in Canada, where you might think airlines would be the most similar to the U.S. Both are big, successful countries where air travel is pretty much required to move around. The U.S. has a tremendous transatlantic market. So does Canada. The U.S. does a fantastic business moving passengers from up north where it's cold to warm climate climates down south. So does Canada, but the profitability numbers don't reflect those similarities, do they, Seth? They don't. Uh, you know, Air Canada came in for the second quarter anyway with a uh, a five percent operating margin. Um, so they made some money, but you know that that's that's half what American made for the quarter. And American was the laggard among all U.S. airlines with a with a ten percent margin. Only a modest decline in Air Canada's case from. Uh, uh, 7% a year earlier. Uh, WestJet uh, just had an absolutely awful quarter. Their first loss in uh, you know many years, uh, first quarterly loss. So this is an airline that you know even in kind of the deep dark winter where it's tough in Canada, usually makes a little money. Here to second quarter, which is not the worst quarter of the year, a negative two percent. So uh, you know just absolutely awful. And that, that was dragged down by the threat of a pilot strike. You know, people booked away from WestJet because uh, they were afraid that the pilots were going to go on strike, even though they ultimately didn't. Uh, and then after, you know, the, the threat passed, WestJet had to come in with big discounts. They ran a fair sale to kind of try to restore everybody's confidence in them going into the summer peak when you usually shouldn't have to run around uh, discounting airfares. So, you know, a, a lot went wrong for them during the quarter, but still, uh, you know, the, the global economy is rather good. Uh, you know, these these are OK times uh, when you when you shouldn't as an airline be losing money uh, for the first time in all those years in what, as I said, isn't I'm sure isn't your worst quarter um, at an airline that, that almost never loses money in any quarter at all. 
you know, Air Canada, uh, just a very seasonal airline. Air Canada lost money back in the first quarter, but for them, they almost always lose money uh, in the first quarter. So the trends at Air Canada certainly better than those at WestJet. I think we're finally going to see, based on those quarterly results, Air Canada surpass WestJet in terms of annual operating margin here. We'll, we'll, we'll run our... Once everybody's done reporting for the quarter in Airline Weekly, we always run a um, a profitability scoreboard. We rank airlines, you know, 75 of them around the world or so, from uh, the, the best operating margin to to the worst uh, for, for the, the trailing 12 months, the most recent 12 months that everybody's reported. And up until now, you know, Air Canada, they've kind of nipped at WestJet's heels, but they couldn't quite close the gap on an annual basis. Looking right now, although we haven't you know run that yet, waiting for everybody else to finish reporting earnings, um, I, I think we are finally uh, going to see Air Canada surpass WestJet here. So the question going forward is, you know, how, how much of how much of a blip uh, was was that the pilot, you know, the threat of the pilot strike? Uh, there's some impact here in the third quarter uh, as as well, you know, the lingering impact on bookings. But as time goes on, and as that shouldn't matter anymore. Yeah, that, that's that's what that's where we'll have to see where where WestJet uh, truly is on a on a run rate run rate basis, uh, so to speak. How, how's their business doing? Pilot strike us up. Okay, so obviously WestJet's lousy quarter had a lot to do with its pilot strike threat, but Air Canada didn't have that problem. Why can't Air Canada keep up with its U.S. Car- counterparts? Well, uh, look, you know they're. Uh, Rough currency movements in Canada hasn't helped. Uh, you know, of course, they're paying more for fuel, you know, like everybody else. But it is uh, look the the seasonality. It's tough when you lose money almost every year uh, in in one quarter, uh, the first quarter. So you kind of you know, just picture starting a race, you know, that far behind everybody else, and then uh, then you got to try to make it up uh, in in the other quarters. In their case, you know, the this, this second and third quarters. So, uh, yeah, that it, it, that's tough to do. Um, you know, the U.S. airlines, when you look at those lo- rather lofty margins in in uh, in recent years, uh, typically they haven't lost money in uh, in in any quarter. So, you know, th- that's that's a that's a big part of of the story. Uh, there's there's also a lot of capacity growth in in the marketplace, including at Air Canada. Air Canada grew. Oh, let's see. Eight percent, almost eight percent last quarter. Uh, that's you know that's a lot, and, and of course their international growth in particular has has made them among one of the fastest growing international carriers in the world in recent years. It's tapering somewhat, but uh, still very very aggressive international growth in recent years. So, you know, there's that too, uh, where we've we've talked about it before. Just kind of by definition, when you have a lot of new markets, and I mean, look. Not all of that growth is is new markets, but you know some of it is. When you have a lot of new markets, if I tell you, Jason, that generally new markets aren't profitable from day one, and then I tell you that you have a lot of them as a percentage you're flying, just kind of by definition, uh, you, you know, you're starting off with with the idea that a meaningful percentage you're flying probably isn't isn't profitable. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, you add it all up, and, and they're doing better than plenty of airlines around the world. Uh, well, uh, compared to their own history, I mean, this is an airline that that was in awful shape, uh, you know, not too many years ago. But yeah, not, nowhere close um, to, to how their, their US peers are performing. Back to WestJet. They are really struggling, even beyond the pilot strike threat. 
How worrisome is this? Well, it, it, it kind of seems like the more they do, the less money they earn, right? Um, think of everything they've started in recent years. I'm, I'm gonna, so just from memory, I probably should have made a list. I'm going to forget one, but <laughs> you know, uh, Encore, right? That's their wholly owned turboprop subsidiary. The, the, the long haul flying. Now with Dreamliners, you know, started off kind of as a little experiment with 767s, but now they're all in. Uh, big expensive Dreamliners flying around the world. That will now the turboprop flying. They call it WestJet Connect. That's the outsourced turboprop flying. Obviously, Swoop, the ultra low cost carrier, and so forth. So, so they're doing all of these different things. Um, and and yet, yeah, here we had it that that uh, that quarterly loss there. Granted, uh, dragged down obviously by the strike, dragged down too by the Easter shift out of out of the second quarter that hurt everybody around the world. But uh, but you really want to see them here show some positive momentum. Uh, the third quarter, as I mentioned also before, was sort of a lingering impact of the strike. Probably they're not going to be setting any third quarter record. I mean, I'm sure it'll be profitable because it always is for them. You know, as you kind of get into the winter there, the fourth quarter won't be a great quarter because because it's the fourth quarter. But that's where you'd want to see in terms of the sort of the year over year trends. Uh, you know, if you look at this airline, uh, what what did they do in last year's uh, fourth quarter? Uh, WestJet, uh, you know, seven percent fourth quarter operating margin last year. That's where you'd want to see, especially some you know, some positive momentum here, uh, you know, without the looming strike threat and all, all the rest of it. So, uh, so yeah, I think everybody's going to be nervous. Uh, you know, their shares sold off. I mean, they were down to begin with and then uh, with the poor quarter and, uh, and poor guidance uh, right now going forward. I think that's kind of what everybody's looking for is, you know, when to call a bottom, when to say, okay, all the bad news is, is behind WestJet and uh, uh, they can be optimistic here looking forward um you know that not the you know I mean, again for for perspective you know this is not an airline facing um uh you know existential dilemmas we're not, we're not talking about norwegian here or anything like that it's an airline that well looking at that the most recent time that we did um that sort of 12 month operating margin around the world they you know they were kind of middle of the pack in the world with a nine percent margin that'll come down now of course this quarter will drag them down but you know, no threat to their existence. But this is an airline that several years ago, they would be in the top 10 of everybody in the world. And they're also nowhere near that anymore. That, that really seems like a long time ago. What's the competitive situation in Canada like compared to the US? Interesting. Yeah. So look, we just talked about Air Canada and WestJet. Those are by far the two biggest airlines. So you think, okay, there's kind of these two, you know, really big airlines in Canada. It doesn't sound like a lot of competition in your market. U.S. has oh you know ten airlines let's say that that anybody's ever heard of but you know Canada with oh you know what a tenth of the population I mean there there should be fewer airlines there and there are other significant airlines uh, I'm, I'm talking even aside from you know Sunwing or somebody Air Transat uh, is is a very meaningful long haul transatlantic competitor yeah I mean look in 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 I ran this in Dio uh, here in ASM terms. So, you know, just capacity terms. It's like half the size of WestJet, uh, far smaller by seats uh, because it's 
because there is so much long haul flying. But but you know, a very meaningful competitor. And and in ter- and, you know, in short haul terms, Porter, yeah, a little turboprop airline, mostly in in Eastern Canada. But they connect a lot of the most important markets. They're there, um, and you got to compete against them. And they're a well liked, uh, rather full service airline. You know, in, in 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 those terms, you know, sort of four notable airlines uh, in in a country, uh, you know, that, although it has a lot going on uh, going for it. You mentioned it before: a good geography for airlines because it's big. You need to fly a lot of places, and you know, a wealthy country, all the rest of it. Yeah, there's there's a fair amount of competition, and unlike in the U.S., the biggest airlines are growing aggressively. So. Maybe not so benign uh, when, when when you think of it in those terms. So Canada may be lagging the U.S., but uh, Europe is gaining. And before we move on to Europe, I want to thank our sponsor, Cellpoint Mobile, a leading provider of mobile-first technology solutions for the global airline industry. Visit www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw to learn about voyage their branded configurable booking engine designed specifically for your airline and the needs of your passengers again that's www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw switching over to europe now here's an airline environment that doesn't look much like the u.s For one thing, in Europe, there's a lot of competition. Also, there are extreme stories like Norwegian and bankruptcies like Air Berlin, Monarch, and Alitalia. It's been ages, it seems, since we've heard about such airlines in crisis like that in the U.S. But nonetheless, European carriers as a whole are approaching U.S.-like profit levels. Seth, how is Europe's second quarter shaping up compared to that of its counterparts? Europe is doing well right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, and, and and you're right. Um, there's it's it's messier. You know, the, the competitive environment is still messier. But no, things are going rather well, and there's there's clearly a convergence uh, with 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 the U.S. There are uh, now, yeah, sure there. are yeah, you know, there are airlines that have you know have ugly numbers that are unlike anything you could find in in uh, in, in the U.S. But some of the you know the stronger airlines, the you know, and we're talking the big airlines in Europe are are doing quite well. Uh, and it's not just ultra low cost carriers. Um, you know, it's it's uh, there there's more than one way to make money these days in in the, in the European airline industry. Uh, and so the question here going forward will be, you know, is this the peak or, you know, can, can the trends uh, c- continue moving in the same direction they've uh, been going? But uh, right now, the headline is that Europe is doing well. And we have to, this thinking that we've gotten into just like, you know, kind of a decade ago, uh, a little more than a decade ago, is European airlines, in many cases, outperformed the U.S. airlines. Europe, U.S. airlines were in crisis. The paradigm here for the past several years has been uh, U.S. airlines were far more profitable than European airlines. Uh, that's no longer the case. No, too early to say that European airlines are surpassing U.S. airlines by and large, especially you know, when you average everybody together. But, uh, but it's closer than it was here or than it's been for the past several years. Of the European carriers, Ryanair again led the way with a very U.S.-like operating profit margin of 18% in the second quarter. A fantastic number, but not as fantastic as last year. 
Right, a U.S.-like margin, but not a Ryanair-like margin. This is an airline that that routinely they they were again last time we sort of ran that twelve-month uh, you know, score, but they were five points better than 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 number two. Everybody else kind of bunched together. Um, so so an airline that that just um, usually operates in its own world, and in, in fact, last year second quarter, remember this is the second quarter, not even the best quarter of the year, they had a a twenty-four percent operating margin. To speak nothing of their 40% operating margin in the third quarter. You know, again, that 24% was down to 18% this year. The third quarter, you know, rather clearly is not going to be 40% this year, uh, even though even though they're doing fine. Well, Jason, look, if, 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 I mean, how's this for a sustainable business model? If if I told you, we kind of you know, gave away the, the, uh, the, the punchline here, but if I told you I've got an airline who, uh, you know, first of all, suffered the Easter shift, and this is an airline that carries a lot of leisure traffic where that matters, right? Easter's out in the second quarter this year. It dealt with a 23% uh, increase in fuel cost, even though it's, you know, it has some good hedges, 23% increase in fuel uh, cost, uh, a 34% spike in labor cost, and then just all the labor issues, all everybody's unionizing now, you know, uh, the, the strike threats and real strikes with air traffic control. You know, that matters more for a short haul airline in Europe, where it's, you're just dealing with that all the time. It's, you know, not as much of an issue when you're doing a lot of transatlantic flying, let's say, you know, just ca- capacity everywhere. Uh, people stayed home to watch the World Cup. You know the weather in Northern Europe was 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 very warm uh, going into the summer, so people weren't you know running to escape to uh, uh, Spain and so forth as usual. Uh, oh, a lot of motion. That's the the, the carrier in, in Vienna used to be Nikki that Ryanair's now backing and you know dealing with some startup losses on and on. If I told you all that, uh, you know, do you think we're talking about an airline with an 18% margin? So, uh, you know, really, um, I, I, I think it does just speak to the sustainability of the business model. Uh, and on the other hand, despite all that, look, I mean, they're, they're, uh, as we know, Air Berlin's gone. You know, Monarch is gone. Alitalia is in bankruptcy. Um, so, so there are those helpful forces and Ryanair as op- opportunistic as anybody about uh, reacting to all of that. So uh, they're doing fine, but they are, you know, before I said Europe is converging and I meant kind of upward toward the US, uh, if anything, Ryanair kind of converging downward uh, a little bit more toward the pack in terms of US, in terms of European airlines, uh, uh, even though it's it's doing fine. And when we talk about Ryanair, we usually talk about the very similar and very profitable Wizz Air. In the second quarter, Wizz had a double digit operating profit margin of 10%. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Obviously, it's not, not Ryanair like that 10%, though. Uh, less of a drop than Ryanair's drop, the 10% down from 13% a year earlier. So, uh, whereas, so, so, they only dropped about half as much as that six point drop uh, that Ryanair had. That ten uh, percent margin came on twenty uh, percent the ASK capacity growth. So an airline is still growing very rapidly. They paid thirty two percent more for fuel. Their revenues rose eighteen percent. Again, that was on that uh, you know what I say twenty percent capacity growth. So revenue growth that that's really good when you can you know when you're growing that rapidly and your revenues nearly keep pace. Their operating costs did rise twenty three percent. So that's why they decline year over year, right? Your revenues rise less than your cost. Uh, you're going to see that margin con- contraction. Um, Ryanair, by the way, is still the lower cost carrier. You know, even though Wizz Air is is uh, you know over 
mostly in Central and Eastern Europe. And so you have lower uh, labor costs in some of those markets. You know, Ryanair is still so much bigger, uh, gets better deal on deals on aircraft, uh, you know, just, just this phenomenal balance sheet and then phenomenal purchasing power. So when you add it all up, um, you know, Ryanair is still the lower cost carrier, but with an incredibly low cost carrier. And, um, uh, you know, this is an airline that has a 321 Neos coming in. And that is a, a, a real cask crusher, uh, unit cost crusher. Um, just, you know, it, it's going to help them get to really continue to approach the lowest uh, unit costs in the world. Uh, the UK, by the way, uh, very important uh, for them. Good trivia question about Wizz Air. You think of them, everything they do in Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, but what's their busiest market of all? It's London. London Luton. So uh, that matters a lot. Uh, and, and they have said that that things there for now are are still uh, very good. Uh, competitive trends there aren't too tough. Uh, so even with Brexit looming and all of that, uh, the UK is still, uh, still a good market for them. And when the UK is a good market, well, then Wizz Air is probably doing well because of how, how important the UK is to Wiz. And anybody who's listened to this show before knows that EasyJet reports earnings out of phase with everybody else, so we'll have to wait until another day to talk about them. Moving from the low-cost carriers to Europe's big three legacy airline groups, let's start with the big winner, IAG, who posted a 14% operating profit margin. The North Atlantic market was IAG's sweet spot. Why is the North Atlantic so hot? And, and, and it's funny because you think about, oh, Norwegian growing like they are, and you know, not to mention Wow Air and, 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 and others. It sounds like this you know, competitive bloodbath. But um, an underappreciated re- reason, um, look, everybody knows Air Berlin went away. Air Berlin was a really important transatlantic airline uh, that, that just kind of vanished. Um, and in some key markets, you know, that really matters. Um, they didn't fly everywhere, but, uh, you know, New York, Miami, Chicago, some other places, you know, all of a sudden this rather important competitor what was suddenly gone. Air Berlin, of course, a, a one world partner with IAG, but they weren't in the joint venture or anything like that. I mean, that that was uh, a competing capacity that in some cases overlapped everybody else even more directly. Uh, you know, an airline like Norwegian that tends to do more at oh, Fort Lauderdale and Oakland, you know, yeah. Air Berlin was flying to, uh, to 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 primary airports even more consistently. So, you know, that's perhaps as as much of an important uh, uh, reason as any other. But it's just the, the, the these these are very strong economies, um, and uh, GDP growth uh, just tells you a lot about the health of the airline industry. You know, it tells you that uh, when you, when you look at European economies, I mean, maybe showing some signs of softness. The U.S. economy, we'll see how long it can last, but the most recent uh, quarterly GDP data was very, very strong. There's some questions about whether that was uh, sort of the people preemptively trying to do some things before tariffs came in and, and what that'll be going forward. But anyway, you know, the most recent data we have is very good. Uh, so strong economy means strong demand for airline tickets. And, uh, you know, even with fuel prices off their lows, they're, they're manageable for these airlines right now. Add it all up and the the North Atlantic uh, has been very, very strong. Don't forget, you know, you have further consolidation here now uh, coming with with the two Delta joint ventures, two separate joint ventures. You know, they've been one with Air France KLM, now losing Alitalia there, but with Air France KLM with, with separately with Virgin Atlantic, those two are merging. Uh, so that's virtual consolidation. 
uh, also in in the uh, the transatlantic. So um, so yeah, pretty much uh, a, a rather you know imperfect but useful uh, measure if you want to try to figure out an airline did is you know how exposed are they to the uh, to the transatlantic market and in, in, a, in a lot of cases that tells you how well the uh, the the European or the U.S. airline is doing. One more quick question about IAG. British Airways is planning Heathrow to Pittsburgh flights. I'm wondering how viable that is. I remember Continental tried Cleveland to Paris, which didn't survive long. Will Heathrow Pittsburgh survive any kind of economic downturn? Well, I don't know if you ever say a market like that will survive every kind of economic downturn, but uh, but no, things things are different now. I mean, that Cleveland Pittsburgh was. I mean, their timing was just. I'm sorry, Cleveland, Paris. Let's try that. Cleveland, Pittsburgh can work, Jason. Uh, it's a, I, I, uh, if, if, if the two cities were a little farther apart, um, works great in a car. The, Cleveland, Paris, on the other hand, that was like a 2007, 2008 thing. So you had the, the, the fuel spike and then the global economy collapsed and all the rest of it. So so, so that, I mean, that was just awful timing. And, and, and you have now in Cleveland, you have Wow, Air. I forgot. Is that is that one of Iceland Air's markets too? I know Wow Air is there, they have, right? They have both, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, clearly, it can support um, to some degree. I don't know. If it can support all of that because clearly, you know, there there are issues. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of capacity coming out of Iceland there, out of Iceland rather, uh, out of Reykjavik. But the, you know, the point is that that doesn't mean that you can't do anything from. Uh, from Cleveland, that was that was just some awful timing there. So, in terms of Pittsburgh, look, this is um, BA has has been successful so far with with these uh, with these markets. I mean, look at Austin. You know, they went in there with I think it was like five a week with you know the, their smallest Dreamliners, the seven eight seven dash eight, and now they're up to like daily service, sometimes with seven forty sevens. You know, and, and and so so they've they've had a lot of success um, with these markets. And they just probably feel that Pittsburgh, look, it, maybe it couldn't support everything that it used to support back when it was just kind of this hub on steroids for U.S. Airways, you know, and, and the, the, what was it? They did, I think, Paris, Frankfurt, uh, British Airways itself did uh, serve London. It was Gatwick to Pittsburgh. I mean, we're talking back, you know, late 90s and everything. And then finally they stopped that and U.S. Airways started flying. And, you know, that's all that's all in the past. You know, in this environment, should you be able to support some modest service between Pittsburgh and and uh, and London, considering all the connections on the other end? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems it seems reasonable. You know, hopefully they'll be able to develop the market to the point where even if things soften, which they will at some point here <laughs> across the Atlantic. It's not going to you know last forever. Something's going to happen uh, where the market will will be sustainable. And and I, and I should say by the way that you know London is is and this is you know one advantage BA has. London is the the gateway drug in terms of uh, you know transatlantic service. It's it, it, if one you know that that's where you start. Paris is always going to be more marginal. It, it, it's a big market, but it's so much smaller than uh, than London. So you know, from from a U.S. perspective, you know, it's Tokyo in Asia. If you're going to fly one place in Asia, fly to Tokyo. It's just a lot bigger everywhere else. It's, I mean, it's not the demand's not growing and all that, but it's just still so much bigger than anywhere else. And same story with Lon- with uh, Europe. London is just it's just a much bigger market than anywhere else. So if there's one transatlantic market that should work for practically any U.S. city, um, it, it it should be London. And you know we see you know Nashville uh, you know seemingly working very well. Uh, you know American with everything else that they cut over the years, they never cut 
Raleigh, Durham, London, of all things, right? And so, so yeah, no, I, I, I this market uh, can be sustainable, although like a lot of things, you'll want to actually see that confirmed when when the downturn eventually comes. I mentioned airlines in crisis, like Norwegian. I'm wondering if we should include Air France on that list. Air France KLM as a group finished with a lackluster 5% operating profit margin. Air France itself almost lost money in the usually healthy second quarter and in the midst of a pretty good economy. Yeah, and I guess that's a testament to consolidation, right? Like where would Air France be if it were if it were by itself and not a part of this uh, company where you had KLM with a 12% operating margin. So here the divergence just just continues 12% versus, you know, what you said Air France just uh, struggling to break even. Transavia by the way, Jason, the low cost unit, an even bigger story in a sense. Um, now, it's a smaller percent of the company, so it doesn't weigh as much, but Transavia notched that 13% operating margin. That's a unit that used to struggle. You know, This is a, a low-cost unit within a legacy airline company, which you know we've talked before about how that, that can be a tough thing to be. But um, you know, they've really reformed themselves. They've stopped doing some things that were really uh, dragging them down. And so, yeah, Air France, uh, you know, glad to be a part of, of, of something bigger. But Air France is the biggest thing of all in that company. And so you can't have Air France doing as poorly as it's doing without dragging down the whole company. And uh, and yeah, sure enough, that uh, 5% operating margin at a time when you, when you really kind of want to be running up the score uh, in, in Europe, considering the transatlantic conditions um, and transatlantic, a big part of, of, of of that company, certainly a big part of what of what Air France does, but it lost, you know, three hundred million dollars because of uh, because of strikes. And remember, they're not strikes not only at the airline, also air traffic control, most significantly in France. Uh, so as bad as that is, if you're somebody else, you know, flying over France, it's that much worse if you're a uh, a French airline. So yeah, pr- pretty frustrating. You know, hard right now uh, to see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, for a company that's still looking for a CEO um, at, at this point. So, so literally a directionless company uh, at 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 the uh, at the top, uh, even though there you know there there are plenty of things within it that are uh, that are going well, um, like KLM especially. That's the you know that's sort of the bright spot in terms of something that's rather big and doing uh, doing rather well. Okay, we're going to finish on a high note with Lufthansa because while they didn't beat IAG, Lufthansa posted a healthy 11% operating profit margin. That 11% is obviously comparable to IAG's 13.5% and United's 12%, and it's even better than Americans' 10%. Yeah, so for a long time now, you, you've you've had this uh, situation where you've had this stratification where IAG was clearly most profitable, then Lufthansa, then Air France, KLM. Lufthansa, a lot of times, is just kind of halfway in between. And now it's it's uh, it's kind of begun separating itself from Air France KLM uh, with that 11% margin, which so you know IAG is 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 um, is simply uh, you know on a year-round basis, and again it'll you know we'll sort of run all of this again when everybody um, everybody's done reporting, but you know IAG is the is the clearly you know they are clearly more profitable on a year-round basis now than than American. For example, or or United, um, so there's a giant European you know, legacy airline company that's that's um, th- that's clearly more profitable than uh, than the two less profitable of, of the, uh, the U.S. legacy airlines. Tunza hasn't been yet, um, so so you know United and American still on a year-round basis slightly more profitable 
uh, than Lufthansa, but it too is closing the gap. Um, you know, those airlines, United, especially, especially American, you know, really slipped a lot. We talked about that last episode uh, and guiding just kind of a really mediocre third quarter, uh, whereas Lufthansa d- didn't really slip at all. Uh, they, yeah, 11% last year is like f- fractionally worse this year. So, so yeah, a lot, lot going right there. And the biggest difference between them and Air France KLM, look, there, there are, there are um, lagging units within the Lufthansa group. This giant group of, you know, not just airlines, but other, you know, catering maintenance, all the rest of it. Um, but the difference is that the, that the biggest airline, Lufthansa, uh, did rather well. Uh, you know, it had a 14% operating margin. So whereas at Air, at Air France KLM, the biggest thing of all is Air France, and it was at 5%. Lufthansa was at 14%. So even though that wasn't the best performing unit, the best performing unit was Swiss, which had 16%. Uh, but, you know, the, the the biggest thing of all uh, within the Lufthansa group is doing rather well. The biggest thing of all at Air France KLM is is, is not doing well at all. Austrian, by the way, uh, a 10% operating margin. Not bad for, for what tends to be a, a laggard. If, you, if you're wondering what really is preventing this unit from fully closing the gap with IAG, you'd have to blame Eurowings. I mentioned before Transavia at the, within... Uh, Air France KLM sort of cut some things that didn't work and is actually doing well. Eurowings, uh, we're talking about a unit that is that is sizable and getting bigger. I mean, growing 20% ASKs uh, in the second quarter, it, it barely broke even. The bigger it gets, uh, uh, and while failing to you know really be profitable, the more of a problem uh, that's going to be for uh, for the Lufthansa Group, and so that is what. Uh, they have to address uh, going forward here, uh, but fortunately, they they have they have some margin for error uh, that Air France KLM doesn't doesn't have right now. So, last question: We haven't talked about every carrier in Europe, but the quarter does seem to have been a largely healthy one. How do you view Europe's airline market now compared to maybe five years ago? Let's look at the numbers from five years ago. So keep in mind those numbers we just talked about was at IAG, 14%, the Air France KLM, 5%, Lufthansa, 11%, Lufthansa Group, 11%. So let's just open up the, here I am, the little spreadsheet of earnings from from back then. Lufthansa, uh, which then was the largest of the companies before you know IAG is consolidating more since Lufthansa was 5%. Back in the uh, second quarter of 2013, Air France KLM, as bad as we're saying they're doing now, they were they were one percent back then. So five percent now looks looks pretty good compared to that. And IAG, um, you know, which back then was not, you know, Aer Lingus wasn't yet a part of it. IAG was uh, was five percent. Uh, and now they're up at fourteen percent. And if you if you want to do like the pro forma and include Aer Lingus, I mean Aer Lingus is seven percent. So if you'd have to do the math, but they're not, you know, if you average that it, it wouldn't even get you to six percent probably, uh, considering how much smaller Aer Lingus is than the rest of it. Yeah, it's still round down to yeah, five, I think five percent, just kind of eyeballing it. So so there's your answer. You know, doing much better than it was back then. Uh, whereas when you eyeball the uh, the U.S. airlines five years ago, kind of more of a of a mixed picture. I mean, an airline like Delta clearly better now than it was then. They're up at you know sixteen percent now. They were eleven percent back then. But others, you know, not not so much better off than uh, than they were. You know, an airline like Alaska, which was up at fourteen percent back then, compared to. Yeah, thirteen percent. Now, so there are ones that have that have uh, slipped since then. U.S. airline industry doing fine, but it's Europe that clearly 
has uh, has has turned things around. Thanks for that look backward. Let's look forward two weeks. Yeah, that's when uh, we'll next publish an edition of Airline Weekly. We take the last two weeks of September off, but we'll be back September third with a new issue. Next two weeks and of August, unless you want to give me September off too, right? Did I say? Oh, did I say? I'll September? take it. Last I'll take. Let's do last last two weeks of October, November. Just, no, no, stop. Just, I saw like Howard no, Dean, I right? did not say <laughs> Too excited. We'll be back September 3rd with a new issue, and we'll be back August 29th with another episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge. As always, if you like the show, share it with your colleagues. They can subscribe to the Airline Weekly Lounge, Airline Weekly Lounge through iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever they get their podcasts. What if what if what if Jason, what if I don't like the show? Um, you can still subscribe. You know, we'll take it. <laughs> They can also subscribe at airlineweekly.com. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell. Thanks for spending some time with us. It's time for a break, eh? Yep. I think so. I'm ready. This was a long show, too. (laughs) This episode was sponsored by CellPoint Mobile, a travel technology solutions provider. Visit www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw to learn about Voyage, a mobile and internet booking solution designed specifically for airlines and travelers. That's www.cellpointmobile.com slash voyage dash aw.